Hey there, this is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley, a podcast about making things up, making things happen. I love talking to creative types. This week, my guest is the editor-in-chief of Man About World magazine, a travel expert, specifically LGBT travel. Uh, he's got a new book out, which we're talking about, and he's also going to be in L.A. for a big travel show this coming weekend, which we also talk about. Uh, but before we get into Ed's travels and stories, uh, I want to encourage you to go to DennisAnyone.net. There you can see all the other podcasts from the past. Sometimes there are pictures that go with podcasts that I post, and also you can donate to my virtual tip jar, and it helps me pay for the expenses that come up and keep the podcast going, keep it free, and I always appreciate that. Also, I've started a Patreon page where once a month I post a bonus episode, and it's for people who patronize me, and you can do that for as little as a dollar an episode. Um, this month's special episode is an interview I did with John Waters about 10 years ago, um, but it's still funny, and he's still John Watersy. and I also put some extra little clips on there of the mismatch game that I did uh, um, a couple months. Well, no, when was it? A couple weeks ago. Anyway... Uh, that's at patreon.com and then search for Dennis Anyone. All right, that's enough beeswax and business and housekeeping. So let's get to our guest this week, travel expert Ed Salvato. Hey there, I am coming to you from West Hollywood. We're in a very lovely apartment with our guest today, Ed Salvato. He's visiting from New York. He's staying with a friend. We're crashing at his friend's place. And uh, Ed is a travel expert and a friend of mine for a long time, and you're the editor of Man About World. Right, correct. Yes. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for this great opportunity to talk to your listeners. I'm so excited. I love talking to you about travel because you really know everything, and you've really got your finger on the pulse, and you also have so much passion and enthusiasm for it. Do you ever get sick of traveling? Are you ever like, I just need to be home? It's a, yes, uh, yeah. I'm, it's funny. Oddly enough, I'm a homebody, which is, sounds so That's strange. crazy. It's crazy because I travel like maybe 25 to 50% of, of the time, which is a lot. Um, and, but I have a nice, really nice big apartment, surprisingly, in New York with two bedrooms, two bathrooms, and uh, two floors, a backyard, a balcony. I literally, one of my favorite things is just to sit and have a coffee in one of my rooms upstairs in the sun. I mean, it's, it's insane. But in terms of travel, I have two types of travel. One is more what maybe listeners think of as classic business travel. Right. So that's that's what I'm kind of doing now. It's it's almost like a rat race. You get you know cab to the airport, cab to the hotel, to the convention center, talk, stand on your feet all day, you know, do a presentation, cab back to the hotel, crash, repeat that the next day, and then fly home. And, and that's not that much fun, right? Except I'm in a great place, L.A. But the more fun aspect of my travel is my business travel is when I go to in order to learn about a destination and that's a very different matter so I'm paid a salary in order to go to uh, I'll just use you know Cape Town as an example to go to Cape Town to learn about what makes that society tick what the LGBT culture is uh, what the wine um, culture is uh, you know maybe go on safari and and that I'm so blessed and fortunate, and that's a wonderful part of my, my life in terms of travel. Have you been on a safari? Yeah, I've been on. I was just on a safari last year. I was on. It's on my dream board, a safari. Uh, yeah, I could probably send you on one. Oh, my God, I, I, yes. have the, I have the privilege of sending dear friends who are writers and personalities, uh, including people like Dennis, who go do research, collect content, come back and report on it in, in various ways, and I've been able to send you on a couple of trips. You're responsible so, for some of the peak experiences of my life, <laughs> including... Awesome. Peru, Machu Picchu, yeah. Brazil, mm -hmm. New Zealand. <laughs> I forgot about those. <laughs> I did a 
kind of bungee thing because of you. That's right. All kinds of crazy things. So yeah. many peak experiences. The gay rodeo in Calgary, Canada. I got to go on the Brokeback Mountain tour where yeah. they take you to where the scenes were shot. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. Me and this one other journalist that was on the trip, we reenacted the... <laughs> the tent scene. The, oh, I wish. Uh, it was the, uh, I wish I knew how to quit you. Oh, that's uh, fantastic. I remember the pictures. Yeah. yeah. Gorgeous. Yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm so grateful for the adventures that you've been able to send me on. So you do, you do have those trips yourself sometimes where you go... Absolutely, yeah. I mean, you can't even imagine what comes across my desk almost, almost I'd say every day, but usually at least once or twice a week, I get a, almost what you would call a trip of a lifetime offer. Right. And it's just so funny to hear me kind of like complaining, ah, oh, damn it. They want me to go on a train trip through <laughs> Myanmar. Yeah. Oh, I'm too busy. Exactly. And then I slap myself and think I'm so blessed, but that's when I make my your listeners may not know who this is, the Ed McMahon call to a a writer friend who is like, hey, how would you like to go on an all-expense-paid trip through Burma on a five-star luxury train? You know, and those kinds of calls are really fun to make. Is there such a thing as a five-star luxury train? Yeah, yeah. That would be amazing. Oh, yeah, they're all over the world, actually. It's a thing. And there's train travel is a thing. And I love trains. Gay train travel is a thing. Gay train travel is a thing? There's a gay uh, wine train, and I can send you on that easily. Is it wine or wine? Wine. Okay, it's not where you just get on a train and wine for five days. Those guys you want to throw off the train. (laughs) Exactly. This is a no W-H-I-N. No whining group, yeah. Uh, It's a fantastic trip. Easily get you on there. That's amazing. I didn't yeah. even know there were five-star trains. Five-star trains, yeah. They're, it, you know, they're these old-fashioned... You can picture the Hercule Poirot kind of train, right. Agatha Christie kind of train, where people... It's like white China crystal service kind of thing. It, is, it exists. It's extremely expensive. It's very slow. It's not like you're trying to run from A to A. But there's one that's sort of considered the honeymoon trip. Um, I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but it goes uh, from, say, Lake Louise to uh, British... Uh, to Vancouver and British Columbia... Um, and it, it's through some of the most majestic scenes you could possibly imagine. I sent a writer on that and his oh. partner, and they wrote a really nice piece. So, yeah, there's definitely some trains. There's the Rovos Rail in South Africa. There's the or- Orient Express, which yeah. is really now called Belmond. Okay. It used to be called Orient Express. There's several of those trains, including the famous one that, you know, kind of goes into Venice. And there you are. You arrive in Venice from this. Incredible. It's, it's great. Yeah. Is there somewhere that's still on your bucket list that you haven't been yet? It, yeah. Oddly enough, I've sent you on some of my bucket list places like Peru. I've never been to Peru. I want oh to go to Machu Picchu. Yeah, I never could take that trip because the timing is never right. That is one of those places where you you question all of existence yeah. and God. And and, God. Yeah. Because how did it happen? How yeah. did it happen? How did that, this peaceful people build this amazing thing? Get all that stuff up this hill. Like, it's and create. I'm incredible. getting shivers thinking about it because I'm, it makes me think of my trip to Egypt to see the pyramids. And then I remember when I went to Karnak, which is the temples of Karnak in um, in Egypt, uh, up the uh, down the Nile, up the Nile, I can't remember how they refer to it. It's the opposite of what you think. And anyway, these temples, these columns look like a row of rows of redwood trees, okay? And then there's this temple inside, which has all this, like, beautiful ancient, ancient, ancient art. And there's graffiti of um, Alexander the Great, who conquered that, okay? So when he went, it was ancient to him. He's ancient to us. Right. So when you see the graffiti of him as a pharaoh from 2,000 years ago, you realize he was looking at something that was... 3,000 years old. Right. So it's 5,000 years old. So that kind of thing just blows my mind. To think about. Thinks of, it's crazy. But my, my bucket list is actually very achievable, and I'm, I'm going to try to bang some of those out in you the will. next year or so. Turkey, believe it or not. Uh, Iceland. I, I mean, mine are very, my dream very simple. And then, yeah. and then Peru. So, you know, I've been to so many places. Yeah. And everyone talks about the Antarctica. I, you know, hasn't been a huge topic for me. And 
Japan, I've always never wanted to go, but now it's starting to inch its way back up on my on my board. I love it. Now, you're here in town for an event at right. the LA Convention Center. Right. Tell us a little about that, and then you have a little offer for our listeners. Yes, I do. So, the Travel and Adventure Show takes place in downtown uh, LA in the Convention Center, Saturday from 10 a.m. till 5 p.m., and Sunday from 11 a.m. till, 6, uh, till 4 p.m., um, and it's just chock full of travel opportunities. So you'll see uh, destinations represented, uh, everything from you know Hawaii and Phoenix to Vancouver and, and Paris and Taiwan, to hotels. You know, there's the Marriott Hotel in a certain place, or um, to magazines like ours and a whole bunch of different travel suppliers, and also ancillary kinds of products like uh, luggage and different things. And you can win prizes and sign up for information and talk to experts. But I bet you could go there and get really excited about places that you want to go or, you know, like get... get Inspiration. Turn on the thing. Yeah, yes. it's, a, it's sort of a travel inspiration kind of opportunity, but also trip planning. I mean, you, I've seen people kind of walk away with like, okay, I know, I know where I'm going next year and I know how I'm doing it. Right. So it's very empowering and informative. Um, and we have, uh, since we're speaking 2.45 p.m. on Sunday, please come by LGBT travel opportunities. All welcome, gay or not. And uh, we have a very diverse panel. We have Dwayne Wells, who's local, who's African-American and gay. We have Marin Johns, who's editor-in-chief of Curve magazine. She, it's a lesbian magazine. Myself, and then we have a guy who does tours in, uh, in Europe. Terrific group. Oh, and then my colleague, Kenny, who is uh, young and, and millennial. So we have we kind of cover a lot of the bases. I love that. And so if you want to go, just go to the website, purchase a ticket. But before you purchase, enter uh, the code, all one word, MAN, M-A-N-V-I-P, MAN VIP. Man VIP. Yeah. And what's the website that they should look for or what's it called? It's called the Travel and Adventure Show. And you when you type it in, you'll just it'll be it's like travelshows.com. It's a really simple yeah. URL. Yeah. And it's and it's this Saturday and Sunday, and with that code they get yeah. in free. For free, yeah. And it's and like normally totally. sixteen bucks a day. Thank you. Yeah, That's yeah, awesome. No, the least a discount code. Considering you drove all the way here yes. to interview me. <laughs> oh please, I'm happy to do it. I also want to give you kudos on a personal note. If all the people in my life you're the promptest email responder. <laughs> is that like a thing for you? Is it yeah. just naturally how you're wired? Or is it Curse that... and a blessing. It's amazing. Yeah, I, I will respond. I, I tell how do you do it and why do you do it? And it's probably I think good for, business. I think for two... Yeah, I think for two... It's just politeness. I just hate people dangling. It, it's the least I can do. If, if an email comes in and I can answer it, answer it. Like, what's the point of not answering it? I, right. It drives me crazy when people sit on an email for three days. If you want to say no, say no, whatever right. it is. If you say yes, say yes. But I, I, yeah. And it's also just like innately built into me. Like I can see my mother just saying, answer that email. Yeah. Even though she doesn't know what an email is probably. <laughs> I think it's an awesome quality. Thank you. And I do appreciate it very much. I was thinking about you yesterday or two days ago because I was at a dance class and then I was leaving the studio in another dance class was doing a dance to Womanizer by Britney Spears. <laughs> and I remember being on the only trip I've ever taken with you to Hawaii, and we were on this booze cruise, and somebody said, I, I think I might have suggested it, let's pick one of the songs that they're playing that will always remind us of this cruise. Oh my God. It can't be too, like a song that's right. got a million associations. Hello. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And I remember we decided it was going to be Womanizer, and every time I hear it, I think of us being on that booze cruise. That was hilarious. That was a great trip. That was a great trip. Oh, I, I forgot that we went on that trip together. That's a good memory, yeah. Yeah, and I love, we got robes. Yeah. What, it's a posh trip. Do you ever find things in hotels where you're like, I remember you sent me to Philadelphia once, and I love the hotel robe so much that I ordered one. And right. like, do you ever find things in rooms that you're like, oh, I want this candle for my house, right? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I have so much 
junk. I'll just say it. You know, I, I, do, I almost decline everything. I don't take anything home. The only things I ever really do is I try to buy a little piece of art wherever I travel or right. a mask. I have a wall of, of like art from different, right. like, different, and then you, every time you walk down that hall, you remember. So it's nice. So, but we have a section in the magazine called Memento, which is don't leave for home without it. In other words, stuff you might have like nipped for, nicked from a, uh, a right. hotel and the submissions are awesome. Like, yeah. um, there was this one that, and one that on the most recent issue where Andy Warhol, okay. Uh, my, one of our writers worked for Andy Warhol when he was 19 and Andy Warhol was at the height of his fame. Wow. And Andy Warhol had a big crush on this guy. So Andy Warhol took the porcelain jar, like a candy jar, expensive porcelain candy jar from the Concord, the jet. You know, he like took something that he shouldn't have taken and gave it to my the, the, this writer John as a sort of gift, and that was like a no no because he stole this thing, but it made for a great story. We it put this Andy in the magazine. Warhol gave it to him. Warhol, he, he painted on, he signed yeah. it. Yeah, it was. I got you had. I got to write a memento story. Yeah, right. That's right. It was from when I was in Budapest and. I happened to be there on the day that they were trying to break the record for the largest, the largest Lego tower. That's right. So Legos were all there. And I was with my friend Tom Ford, who was working on a movie there. We actually did a podcast from there. And um, we, um, Tom took, there were bricks all over the ground. Yeah, right. like, but they, they were kind of cordoned off. But you could sneak a few. And he took three bricks that were the um, uh, flag of Hungary. Oh, right. Colors. Right. And then he gave it to me later after I got back. And I was like, that was yours. Right. And he was like, I want you to have it. So That's a nice gift. Was yes. it the Tom Ford? Not the Tom Ford. Okay, wow. another one. Impressive. He uh, no, works no, in yeah. uh, wow. post-production special effects on movies. But, Fantastic. Yeah, a different Tom Ford. But that's my memento because I love Legos. That's a great story. And I love Budapest. Yeah, me too. Amazing. I went there. I went there. It was a funny story. I went there a long time ago. I was in, I was in college. It was 1985 or something like that. And uh, very early on. And it was very early after there. I mean... I think it might have still been communist or just barely not communist. And um, I was there and the, the woman uh, threw me out of my her house. It was like an, almost like an Airbnb. She met us at the train station. Came, and then she didn't like the fact that I was gay. She literally physically walked me out of the door and threw me out of the house. Wow. So it's like, oh, okay, thanks. That's crazy. <laughs> Which makes me, you know, it's one of my stories way back, I think, that formed my desire to, do, to, make, to help find safe travel opportunities for gay and lesbian travelers. Yeah. Right. That's one of the things you it really... Was a fun experience. That I mean, I fun. laughed about it, but then I was like, wait, wait. But you're like, that's, that's bullshit. It's bullshit, yeah. Um, so you're also the co-author of a new book coming yes, out right. called the... I wrote it down. It's, it's a mouthful. Handbook of LGBT Tourism and Hospitality. Correct, yes. It's a marketing uh, book meant for uh, students of tourism and hospitality at in grad level and undergrad level. So we hope that professors make it required reading all over the world. And also it's meant for professionals in the industry. So people who run uh, marketing for destinations or uh, hotel chains or cruise companies. And we hope people obviously buy it. Um, so yeah, that was a quite a labor. <laughs> yeah, but it looks like you've done a ton of work on it. It's so well sourced. And you have great tips in there. Like I remember reading one thing where you talked about you know, with gay men, a lot of times sex is a component yeah. of a vacation Absolutely. and don't ignore that. Right. I, I don't know how you speak right. to it, but don't act like that's not a thing. Right. It, it, that's People, part of, people yeah. travel for a lot of reasons, but you know, one of the reasons I think a lot of men travel for is to get laid, you know? And, right. You know, for women, lesbian or not, it tends to be about celebrating relationships, getting over a relationship, um, entering into a new one and, 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 or marking an existing one. Um, and I, we did a lot extensive research with women who are experts in their own segment. 
but with men, I, I did this. It was funny. I did a presentation for the U.S. State Department uh, two years ago. It was the first time they'd ever had a gay. You were you went topic. to the State Department? Who was second? Who was? It was under uh, Clinton. Wow! And they invited me to come. No, it was under Kerry. They invited me to come speak. Um, it was just to the uh, the the group that involves itself in uh, passports for the most part. It's right. really about travel documentation, travel safety, and that was right. my that's my thing. And so they, they, they had me come in there and I, I mean, it's kind of like they liked me and that we'd worked together before on panels and stuff that they were like, you know, didn't know what I would say. But anyway, so right. I was very, so one thing I said was, you know, one of the major reasons gay men travel, as I pointed to my PowerPoint was to get laid. Right. And I still hear people email me, calling me and saying like, oh my God, we've never heard that phrase in the state department. Like, thank you so much for coming in. You're, the, you're the get laid guy. I, I was the get laid guy. And the other thing I was is, uh, and I, I said to them, to this hushed audience, paying attention, taking notes, very serious, you know, very like, you know, professional. Buttoned up. Buttoned up, diplomatic, kind of like. And I said, and do you know what I call LGBT parents? And they were like, no, what? I said, suckers. (laughs) (laughs) Which is terrible. No offense to anyone who's a parent listening. It was kind of a joke. Yeah. But uh, because I was like, you know, back when I was younger, anyway, there wasn't even the option to get married and be a parent. So we kind of, you know, you drive into the skid and you just enjoy the fact that we're free of that burden in right. some ways. So now I think, oh my God, we're going back to, we're voluntarily taking that burden yeah. upon ourselves. So, but anyway, that was a nice, it was a good collaboration. It showed at that point that the State Department really cared. They still do. I don't know what's going to happen with under the new administration. Yeah. But we don't know what's going to happen in 20 seconds. I, now. Honest to God. I mean, Jesus Christ. It's I the know. Mike Flynn stuff going on. And how does... Bye, Felicia. <laughs> Bye, Felicia. But also like... He's just going to randomly call the ambassador five times on the day of the sanctions, just on his own volition. Right. right. To Come make on. Yeah, to set up a meeting the next month. Yeah. It's yeah. just it's such a and Anyway. What did the president know when? Blah, blah, blah. Sidebar right. about that. Right. What country has come the furthest in terms of their uh, openness and, and uh, attitudes about gay people since oh, you started exploring that's this? That's a great question. I've... This, a lot, I would say. A couple that may surprise listeners is, you know, like Argentina, you know, you think of like the macho Latino Catholic culture. When I was there the first time, it was 2012, I can't remember the year, but that was the year that the president, Christina Kushner, signed the bill into law recognizing marriage, recognizing marriage equality. And it was before us. Wasn't it was it? well before us. Yeah. Yes. It kind of shocked me. Right. But it was a little political. So I think Mexico is maybe a better case study because it's a deeply conservative country in a right. lot of ways, traditional. Right. And, and then you think of the macho culture, whether that's a fair stereotype. Yeah. Or and the Catholic Catholicism is yeah, still strong there. It's a thing. Um, but a number of states. Quintana Roo, I love that. It sounds like a drag name. That is yeah. a state, um, and Mexico, the state, right. and several other states have now offer same-sex marriage. So it, there's marriage equality. It's not in throughout states. the whole country, not yet. And so that kind of has built and grown. Um, Taiwan, they're on the verge of legalizing same-sex marriage. I just use same-sex marriage as a proxy, right. um, but I think you see a lot of the marketing to gay travels, almost like. That's to get travels into others, but that, that, that's sort of oddly it forms a basis because I think that business people in those countries, whether they're traditional or not, start thinking, okay, dollars are dollars, right? And that's a good thing, you know. And, and travel by its nature, you know, you you open eyes and build bridges and, and and make friends. I think to a certain extent, but I think it's the business kind of reaction to that that helps form a little bit of the foundation of then the political stuff that goes on to right. ensure that. So I think those those are three really interesting case studies and, and ones to watch. That's so cool. Yeah, that's interesting. Have you ever been somewhere where you didn't feel safe? Uh, oh my God! Yeah, I we get this question all the time. Where is it safe? And we're collaborating with Outright Action International on a, a 
uh, free content uh, product that will you know help people answer that question because it's a big question. Um, uh, you know, are, am I safe to go to Laos? Am I safe to go to London? That depends on so many things, right? Like right. you know, you and I could pass anywhere and just be completely safe. I mean, if we put on a you know a wig and go a little crazy, maybe we're going to be a little bit less safe. If you're a butch presenting theme woman, maybe you raise a little some eyebrows. If you're an effeminate man, gay or straight, you raise some eyebrows. So it's, there's a lot of factors to this. Um, I've never traveling abroad. I've never not felt. I, you know, when I was in Morocco, I was a little nervous because guys hit on you all the time. But you realize you're an ATM. You're right. a, a machine with money is what right. you are. So you have no idea what their motives are. So it's always like arm's length, arm's length. Egypt, similar. Although a sidebar, I always have this great way of uh, diffusing situations with men in those weird con- those countries. Right. They're usually not – they don't make a lot of money. That's why they're kind of hitting on you probably. Right. You know. Offer them an expensive cigarette. Carry a pack of marbles. I know it's a terrible thing. I'm not even a smoker. But if you offer someone a cigarette, suddenly you're like doing them a big favor and then you're, they're your buddy. It's so weird. It really has diffused so many situations. That is such an interesting tip. I, it's kooky. I, people I laugh at me. Up on that I just tried it. I was like, these guys, I seen them smoking uh, and I thought, they, they're smoking shitty cigarettes and I'm smoking nice cigarettes. I can afford a pack of marbles. So right. that was how I did that. So you, And you do that... Almost everywhere you go? Or the, in, when I'm alone in those Middle Eastern and kind of right. like macho countries, you know? Because the guys, it's got... Sex is self-segregated. They're, they're forced to segregate in most of those countries. They're conservative countries. Women stay together, men stay together until they get married. So right. there's a lot of socializing among your, your gender. Right. So guys, it, you see it in Southern Italy too. Like guys are really much more touchy-feely emotional with other... People, because they, they're raised... They don't have girls, usually, yeah. unless they have sisters and moms. When, when I first had gotten Italian friends on the ships, they would... I loved it. When you're walking in public, they would link arms with you, and I, I thought it was so affectionate. Yeah, they're very, it's affectionate. It's yeah. deep. I see that with my dad, who's Italian, and um, he he's able to really get down and talk to guys. Like, and my brothers are like that, too. I, one of my brothers. I really love that. I think it's... You're taught a different way of bonding with someone just because the sexes are a little bit more segregated because right. of the culture. It's kind of a plus side of a, of a sort of a bad thing. But the, the weird... The only times I've ever had homophobic incidents have been in... And you're going to just, just be shocked. The Castro, Boston Back Bay, and Greenwich Village, New York, where I think those are sort of magnets for people who want to, like... Yell faggot out a window, that kind yeah. of thing. And, uh, you know, especially the Castle one, absolutely shocked me. There was three guys walking down. This kid was like, get on a skateboard, walk like faggots, and then keeps, oh, you know, it was comical in a way, but at the same time, it was like, what the, what just happened? That was just so weird. The Castle, like, I, yeah. so there's places that you think you should be so safe that you're not, and then places that maybe surprise you, like Syria. I never went to Syria. I wish I had. But they're so welcoming and so kind and hospitable. The culture there is so... They, they, they would serve you tea and want to sell you a rug. They don't care, they don't care who you're sleeping with. Right. You know? so, so odd. I think that's a yeah. probably a surprising answer to that Different, question. Yeah. Yeah. I remember going to Dubai and being a little bit nervous. But getting there and feeling like, oh, this is kind of like Vegas. And we ended up going to a club that was like a gay club, but yeah. it wasn't advertised. And everything right. was... It, it was don't ask, don't tell. And right. There was a lot of rules there. I wouldn't want to live there, but I didn't. But it was fine. I was fine. That's a great suggestion. If you're going to go to any of these countries, don't feel like, oh, you can get away with anything because you have white privilege or you're American or whatever. And you, you just know the rules. And it's, sometimes it's hard to figure out the rules. You know? Well, yeah. And I luckily, I had friends there that, that live there and are, are very familiar. But the public affection... Between straights or gays it's was found bit, upon, yeah. yeah. So it wasn't just gays. If, if it were straight people doing that, and you have to think about you, what happens. What are the repercussions for you? 
maybe the absolute worst case scenario is you're you're tossed out of the country and that would be horrible but for, but think about the people you're interacting with because you want to make sure you're not leaving extensive you're damaging anyone's reputation or right. potential they're still there life yeah I mean people have you ever been to a hospital in a foreign country? Have you ever gotten hurt or sick? Um, let me have to, have to think about that. When I lived in France, but that was different because I lived in France. And right. So it was just, I had insurance to, you know, no, so no, the answer is no. I've never had to deal with that thing. But when that. you lived in France and you went to their hospital, totally different thing. Yeah. Well, you know, they have insurance there and right. you know, <laughs> it's much better. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, if you were a student and didn't have insurance, it was nice right. to have insurance. Yeah. yeah I, I, sure. I had a job and I had, you know, social security, so to speak. There you go. Yeah. How have the hookup apps changed travel? Grinder, Scruff? Uh, that's also, uh, that's also a great question. It's there's a it's a dual edged sword. I think that um, it's easier to connect with people, which is great. And you know, kind of stepping back, LGBT people, especially gay men, we've always traveled. Okay, ever right. since you woke up, guess what? You were born into a usually a straight heterosexual environment, right? Family, and you're the only one you're like yourself, most likely. So you're always kind of thinking. I wonder if it's better over there. I gotta go somewhere. I gotta get out of here. I gotta go over, <laughs> over the hill. So we've always traveled ever since the caveman days, I'm sure. I'm convinced right. of it. And that will always happen. So now it's a little, you're a little bit more empowered with some of these apps. So if you can, Scruff has a really terrific feature of, uh, it's called Venture, um, where you can actually kind of telegraph ahead that you're going, maybe meet the ambassadors. They have Scruff official ambassadors. These guys are fonts of information. They're fun. They can tell you where to go. They'll even yeah. meet you and, and have a drink with you. Like it's, surprisingly innocent, you know, and sweet and good. And they also do these things like more on the sort of like a beneficial side. If you arrive in Nigeria, say for work or Kenya, because you're going on a safari, the first thing you see when you see this app is notification. Beware. This is the law of this land. Beware what you do, who you interact with. And so when you log on to Scruff after you've touched down, they know where you are. They know where you are. And they tell you stuff that you need. Absolutely. Yeah. I've always... That's and, a good thing. And, and, and Scruff is ahead of the game in terms of... Yeah. Grindr does not have that. Scruff now says they have 11 million, um, they have 11 million registrations. I think that includes everyone who's ever registered, even the people right. who deleted the app. Yeah. It's a lot of people. Now, what about Airbnb? How does that change what you've done? What do you think of it? Airbnb is really... I think it's fantastic. A lot of people in the travel industry don't because a lot of these destination marketing organizations, the ones that market LA or Philly or... Some of them are, sub, are funded by the hotel tax. And so right. these hotels are pissed in a way because, like, why should they pay money to promote the destination when people stay at Airbnb? Right. Totally get it. However, my theory and my observation and my belief is that people who go to Airbnb, typically their, their choice is either to not go or stay at an Airbnb. So we're growing the pie and travelers who come in. Because these people, you know, if you're going to spend 100 bucks a night, that's probably what your budget is versus two or three for a hotel. So, and the, the other weird thing about these Airbnb people is I think they're terrific. I think typically they're adventurous. They're, they don't mind sharing a, a private residence with the owner of the residence. And they're people you want to have. They're the type who will come. They'll come back. They'll do stuff. They'll experience stuff in your destination and write about it. They'll talk about it. They'll talk about it on their social feeds. I, they're a key market for the future. What, now, you, you're, I, to my mind, you're very good at social media and stuff like that. Was that a alert? Did you sort of... Does it come naturally to you, or it was like, okay, this is the way things are going. Yeah. I've got to get... Yeah, I, yeah, I think it was more of the latter, natural. Again, back to gay people, and, um, you know, back in the late 80s, I actually had this job first out of college where I ran the community, uh, uh, not community board, the um, um, customer service board for I, worked, I worked in a math software company. I was a math major. And uh, we connected through this modem and, and connected and answered people's questions. So 
oddly, even back in the day when it was like a community message board that you had access through a modem and people at the computer desk, always disproportionate number of gay people did that because it's a safe environment. So I think gay people feel naturally comfortable in these environments because it's just safe. And yeah. also if you're in Dubuque or you're in Southern New Jersey and you don't have access to a gay bar or, you know, you're a little nervous, you don't want to come out, your family doesn't know you're gay, you're, te- you're, you're a teacher, whatever it is. These are safe environments for people where you can then suddenly meet people in Paris and New York and San Francisco. I mean, it really is quite fabulous in a way. Yeah. It, it was a lifeline for gay people always. And I think with social media, it's the same thing. I think they still just, gay people are still disproportionately represented on, on things like Twitter and Facebook and, and all those apps. We're also more fluid, fluid and fluent with those, it's not. It just kind of comes naturally. Yeah. But social media is a different kind of beast. And then I remember getting there's a great one, a friend of mine named Layla Farah who lives here. who's a consultant, and all this. Kind of, I remember sitting down going, just tell me, explain. She goes, I remember her saying something. Oh, Facebook is like a cocktail party. It's like a dinner party where everyone is sitting around and you're a little bit on your better behavior and you're exchanging information and discussion. You know, whereas Twitter is like a cocktail party. We come here and you have a drink and you talk to someone. And you move off and, it should, and maybe you're drunk. She, yeah. <laughs> At three in the morning. Yeah. She had great, uh, uh, and I just felt like, oh, what the hell, I'll just jump into it. And travels are natural for all this stuff, both with the content. Hey, look at me. I'm in, I'm in Paris on the Eiffel Tower. There's this great tour that you can take. So it's a natural in terms of the content uh, platform. And it's also easy for someone who is used to telling people about his or her trips. It's a good platform for them. It's no different than any other platform. It, it's like, you know, articles you can write on a piece of paper and distribute it, or you can, you know, craft it on a, a platform like that. It's, it's, I'm, I've always been content agnostic and wherever that content, it makes the sense to be, that's where I want it to be. Right. When the last trip you sent me on to Puerto Rico, one of the other journalists in the group was like a real influencer guy. Like his, almost his whole thing was social media yeah. posts. Yep. He got it. He was good at it. Mm-hmm. His posts were... Um, uplifting, but fun and not gross. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. It's really. Do you remember? Um, Luis is his first name. Uh, Latin guy lives in New York. I'll find it out for yeah. you. Yeah, H. Luis something. We, we send people like that on trips. And I, I think of you as that. I mean, your platform is a little bit different. You have the newsletter, you have a few other things, and you write for us. But yeah, I mean, the, the right social media. There's some influencers who are jerky or they just don't love travel, and it comes out like they're like, ah, you know, I can't believe this is what I won't name them, but. He was in Tel Aviv and he was shocked to see soldiers with guns at the airport making him feel so uncomfortable. And he was like freaking out about the whole thing. I was like, it's Israel and we have the same thing. And he was on a cruise and he told, he said to the sponsor, oh, my favorite day was when we were in port, everyone else got off the ship and we stayed in the room and watched movies and got room service. Like no, no one who gives you a trip wants to hear that that was your favorite day. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was, he's not a traveler. Right. And I think that, you know, his, his, he has millions of followers, but how many of them are travelers too? Right. right. So, so for the for, from this perspective of a destination marketer, you want to choose those influencers carefully. The ones who like Louis, Luis, who are you know, passionate and have a nice tone and uplifting message. There's enough scary stuff about travel. We don't yeah. have to hear more about Zika and bombings. Right. And we know. Yeah. So, so when someone's a spokesperson for travel, why don't we just highlight the great aspects of it? You know? Yeah. What's your favorite spa treatment? Oh, you know, I hate anything that's sort of like, um, you know, they say, oh, we're in, we're in Mexico, so have the tequila mole sauce bath. Like, all right. that stuff is 
gross. And right. I'm just going to say it. It's like, a, like a, any kind of uh, immersing yourself in I, something. It's terrible to say. In, in, in guacamole or whatever. Anything like those spatulas, the more fluffy and, 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 uh, and uh, like contrived it sounds, the, the more of a waste of money it is. I never even like stone massage because they put the stone on you and within seconds you don't even feel it anymore. So right. I'm old-fashioned. Give me a, a deep tissue massage, yeah. sports massage. I'll feel great. 45 minutes, I'm done. Yeah. You're good. Good. You're yeah. good. I'm, I love fancy. massages. I love it. I like facials are good too. I yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, what was the first trip you ever remember taking? Oh, kid. yeah, I remember vividly because I just yearned to get away. And I think it's because the gay thing, I think I was like, I don't think I'm different from everyone in my family. And I was one of six. My family trips were... I was one of six. Oldest, youngest? I was middle. I was, I was the last. We were paired. It was interesting. Yeah. It was the oldest two, middle two, youngest two. Yeah. So there was never... We always had a mate. Yeah. And we never felt... It was a good way to break it up. I never felt like I was. it was me against anyone. My yeah. sister's a very interesting woman and an artist. And so we... we I love. I really get along well with all of them. But our trips were just get in the car, drive to DC, get in the car, and drive to Maine. You know, it was from Boston. That was about. Imagine my parents. You know, station wagon oh with God. six kids. Smack it's the Brady Bunch with their telescoping arms, smacking us all the yeah. way in the battery. They didn't smack. My dad was great. My mom yeah. was like the wit's end. I'm sure. But I remember thinking, I just want to get on a plane. I want to know what this is about to be on a plane. So I went to Disney World as my first trip. And it was with a, um, I joined a youth group, Christian youth group when I was in Catholic school. It was, um, and because part of it was they were going to take trips. So we went to Disney World. That was my first trip. Now, I'll never forget getting off that plane onto the tarmac, you know, not a jetway, and feeling the humidity and the air and the warmth after Boston's like, like brown twigs I call it like winter where there's just brown twigs those are trees and then it's so barren it's like the tundra and you get off in Florida and it's like you're assaulted with the humidity and the, the palm trees and the sounds of the palm trees kind of waving in the wind and then just thinking oh my god traveling is awesome I was like I am hooked for life how old were you been? 16 14 I was 14 on that trip and the next trip was Montreal and New York City so in New York you could climb at that point you could climb the um you could go into the crown of the Statue of Liberty. Yeah. Like, it was cool. And so I did some really fun stuff like that. So I got a lot of that, like, basic travel stuff over with when I was in my teens. <laughs> yeah. My first trip that I remember was, I, that was, like, out of the state was our choir, our swing choir, when I was a sophomore in high school, went to Disneyland, yeah, Disney. took a bus at Universal Studios, right. and we saw a taping of Family Feud, and we went and saw Seven Brides or Seven Brothers starring Debbie Boone, and Fabulous. we sang to her when she came out the stage door. But every day was like that. And I... It was so much fun. And I (laughs) dreamed about it for months afterwards. I would dream about that trip. It was so exciting. Um, You know, I think it did two things. I think it probably, for both of us, it stimulated something, but it satisfied something. And and you felt like... Because then you really had a life of travel after that. So you were probably... DNA wise constructed to be a traveler but then when you do that first trip and you then it's it's confirmed that switches binary and it kind of stays on forever I yeah. always I thought I would get I thought I wonder if I'll get sick of it I've never gotten sick of travel and I have traveled since I was 16 as frequently as I possibly can and I created it as my life too now I travel for work it's a great way to get perspective on your life and the world do you ever remember a trip that really changed you changed the way you looked at the world oh absolutely I think uh, the biggest one I would say when I was nine. well my first trip to Europe I was 19 I have a funny story but I went with we love funny stories oh it's a really funny story so I was in I was working as a work study I went to Harvard I was a math major I was work study I was in a library working and um, 
it was like a hip there were hip people in there and I really enjoyed it. I was just like a little nerd due to my little nerdy things I was a studious studious student um, all A's for the, until I met this woman named Joy. Anyway, so I went to with Joy, who turned me into Pac-Man and other evil things. Oh, she corrupted your... She, she was like, come right on, here. have a puff of my heart. I'm like, no, no. So, but she's an awesome... Uh, she is an awesome lady. I so. love that you had a Joy. Like, she was like... What a name, Bowles, too, right? right? Yeah, she was Joy, the name. Right, she was like truly, your name. Truly well-named. Yeah. So we went on a ski trip, then we went to Europe together. But the reason I was able to finance this trip was uh, at this work-study job, there was this... I got a check out of the blue for like $1,000, which at the time now it's probably worth like, say, like someone giving you like $3,000. And it was just this check. And I went up to the guy. I was like, what? And I realized when I saw him, he was an older gay guy. And I think he was just kind of paying it forward. And he just gave it to you. Gave me a check. I was like, I, you know, I, I said, I... I was like, I can keep this. I said, but I, I don't know. I wasn't sure if I was comfortable. And he's like, no, you should just enjoy it and just do something really fun with it. And I, I kind of like, well, maybe that's something I need to pay for it at some point in my life too. But so I took that and we went to Europe and that was a big trip for me. And it was kind of like my coming out because I was with Joy and a couple of other people and we were, Joy got a lot of attention from all these beautiful, she's a tall, six foot tall black woman, beautiful. Yeah. And she, we, she got a lot of attention from all these hot, hot, hot guys. And I'm buying her drinks. I can't even get into the scrum around her right. to give her the drinks. And I was like, oh, she'll be fine. Can I have one of them? You know what I mean? Like right. it was, uh, these guys were so beautiful. But the real change of my life, I think, came when I moved to Paris after I graduated. So I was 22, 21. I moved to Paris. I ended up meeting a guy and staying there. Obviously, that changed my life. Um, but I, I was in Paris for a number of years. And uh, the, the perspective that you get on your own culture and country is unbelievable when you live in a place because you're hearing people... You know, when you're visiting, everyone's polite. When you're living there, then the gloves come off a little bit. Yeah. So what the fuck is up with your president? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and it, this is all in French. So, so I would constantly have to defend what I thought was great about our country, at the, uh, you know, and then also kind of just kind of understand and empathize with what was screwed up. So it saved... It made me really... It formed who I am today because I, I have a, a skepticism. And a, and then you can see how people think about America outside. You can see, read headlines and see the news. It's not... It, they, other countries have news for their countries as well. Like, you know, we see everything. It's just like, you know, Amber Alert and uh, Flood and everything's so local here. Right. Whereas in other countries, they talk about the whole wide world. So yeah. it's just a great experience. I remember being in Italy and my friend Christian, another travel writer that I met on a trip to Montreal right. that you sent me to, we've been friends ever since. I asked him what he didn't understand about America. What doesn't make sense to you about America? And he said... Great question. He said that your health care is tied to your job. Yes. That doesn't make any sense right. to us. Right. And I'm like, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. To me and you. <laughs> now that you think about it. But it is such a part of it. It's a bedrock it's of our... Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, you're right. You're right. Um, That's profound. <laughs> I know there's a million answers to this question, but which country has the sexiest man? If you only had to pick one. Oh. I would say Italy. Yeah. Based on my type. I know. I, I'm kind of going all the way around the Mediterranean. Uh, you know, was in Israel last year. and I bet. And so it's a tight, it's a tight race between Israel and Brazil. Oh, my God. Oh, I, thought, I thought my circuits went to overload because I saw a friend of mine from Brazil in Israel last year when I was there at Pride. And he was with all his friends. And one more strapping than the next. And they're all lawyers, doctors, 35, 40 years old, handsome, strapping, tattoos, chic, outfit. And with, with Israelis dancing, and I just was like, let me go in the corner with a cigarette and a launch them, you know, launch them cigarette and a martini and just enjoy this. Because yeah. it's like, 
I thought it was going to explode. Can I bottle the sweat and just <laughs> dab it on me for the next 10 years? Don't mind me. <laughs> oh, in Brazil, and they all are on the beach just lifting, like doing pull ups, yeah. pull ups, just hanging That's out. That's their gym. And their Speedos are not as small as you oh, might the think. square cut. They're the square cut, yeah. which are the best, right. the Brazilian cut. Yeah. And somehow they managed to have their cell phone, lip balm, and uh, money. for some, and, But all you don't see it. I don't know how they do it. And all of us Americans yeah. would go, clunky bags. And they're like, you know, it's just, they're classy as well. As I made a v- video of, like, in Florianapolis, Brazil, where you sent me, of, like, guys on the beach. And it's the most popular thing I've ever put online, uh-huh. ever. That's funny. I know. They live on the beach. And in Brazil, it's interesting, because you go, I went to Salvador, and, you know, they had, like, on the beach, you literally just lifted your finger. You can get like a, a fresh fruit beverage, a coconut. You can get an alcoholic beverage. You can get a, sh- a shrimp grilled on a barbecue. I mean, by lifting your finger. So they're and then there's they're playing that like no arm volleyball and they're doing capoeira, which is that dance martial arts form or art, and it's all happening on the beach. I mean, they literally truly live their lives on the beach. Yeah, it's, it's incredible, amazing. Yeah, just yeah, truly. I was just I just sat there all day with my partner, then partner, and we just absorbed, and it was just incredible. And they're also good looking too. Just I discovered acai when I went to Brazil the first time. I did this weird hang gliding oh, yeah, thing okay, yeah. on, a, on top of a guy named Mosquito. His name was Mosquito, and it was like you, we jumped off and landed on the beach. And I was with my friend Scott, and we got. Uh, acai bowls, and we had one, oh, and then right, we ordered yeah. one right away. They like, were so good. I never had to pronounce that before. Acai. Okay. What? Uh, what's something you, a food that you discovered that you can't believe you ate and you loved? Do you ever remember like something crazy you ate? Yes, I try. I'm adventurous, and I tried. You know, like that fancy ant dish in Mexico, and it's very expensive. It's like caviar, but it's with bare. ants. Yeah. Wow. I can't remember what it's called. I'm sure your listeners. Is like, it? Are they dipped in something? Or they're, they're, they they kind of gross. They look like they were like in white eggy kind of and it's like exactly like them it's like yeah. eggy caviar-ish but not salty ant thing and then crickets and it just was like I'm thinking when I was chewing the cricket like I could feel the little leg and I'm just like oh. and you know it's not my cup of tea and I you know so but, but, with it? but I will I just figure I just want to try it because people talk yeah. about it and you know but I tried all sorts of things when I was in China it was a weird I was in China a few times but the first time I was 85 and there you know Turtle soup and snake this and you know you know those kinds of things where you're eating that little cartilage and you're yeah. really wondering like is this really a, just a turtle or is it something else? So I, I think I've tried some stuff that I have no idea. Um, but then you when the, the, I remember this, the thing I was like turned on by the most. It's so resonant. It still resonates. I was in Greece on a beach. I was in Mykonos. It was the first time. I was like 91, a long time ago. And I just had like a, I ordered a Greek salad. Masaka, and they brought bread, and I got like a Greek yogurt. I have never had yogurt as good as that yogurt, probably before or since, kind of thing. Right. It's like sometimes you just remember, like, they know how to do that thing. Thing. The yogurt yeah. in Greece. Okay, ancient Greece. It can be the simplest things. Like, I like the, the Cokes in Mexico. Or yeah. Because they're better. They have yeah. a better uh, sweetener. Yeah. The, I, and I remember going back to, um, I went to Greece three years ago Jesus in 2014 and I went to the supermarket I was like oh they must have millions of Greek yogurts now because we do and yeah. I went there they still had just a simple selection of Greek yogurts yeah. plain and I thought you know what we, we're we the ones who, when you go to the cereal aisle and our grocery stores and yeah. you see like 500,000 it's overwhelming you want to like freak out and yeah. it's stressful almost they don't mess around with it's stuff like broke. that it ain't broke exactly yeah. it's just yogurt now, have you ever had like a before sunrise whirlwind romance? In a, I'm sure you've. Oh, but is there oh one where God. you think of? Oh, if they were going to make a movie out of one of my 
bromances yes. or like my things. Uh, this, I have so many of these stories because I, I love them. And I'm jealous that you do, but I, that's I, awesome. I, I always joke around that I'm most myself when I travel. So it's really interesting. You're most yourself. Yeah, I'm, there I'm, is a sort of like freedom. Yeah, you sort of get to invent yourself in a way, but yeah. you present yourself. I don't think you make stuff up. I think you, yeah. you express yourself. I'm not as like I'm not as controlled. I'm in New York. I just have my control triangle: homework, gym, homework, gym, and then, yeah. you know I'm on my computer and I'm focused. And you're it, answering emails promptly. Yeah, that's all I do instead of dating. And so when I'm out there, my job is to learn about a culture. And the one way you learn about a culture is by meeting people. So I'm right. a big one, and I do this all the time. But I just also say hi to people, and I have a philosophy, a, a motto, I guess it's. Just say yes. So if I say hello to someone we're chatting, and then the guy will be like, hey, my friends and I are going to do blank. And I was in Saint-Malo, which is this uh, beautiful uh, castle in Brittany. And he's like, oh, my friends and I are going to go to a party tonight. You want to go? In uh, Normandy, in France. Okay. Uh, Brittany, in France. And okay. he's like, do you want to join us? I was like, oh. My motto, yes. Yes. So he picks me up at 70 kilometers in the country. It's a rave, and it's just like kind of this crazy thing. And I'm like... I just like dancing, and at one point, I, and I'm sure we were drinking and all this kind of stuff. And at one point, I'm like, I don't have my ID on me. I have like 20 French francs. I'm like, wow, this could be the end of it all. And it's before Facebook, so if I'm not checking in, like, I was gone for five weeks once, and no one knew where I was. No gone. one knows where you are. Yeah. So, but to answer your question, yeah, I've had that. I had those romances where it was like, you know, it was, again, I think a one good one maybe was Mykonos, where I was walking by this guy, and he looked at me, and I looked back, he looked at me, and I was just like, oh, he wants me. I went back, he sat, we had a conversation, we had this whirlwind romance. We ended up in uh, two days later, we ended up in his house in Amsterdam. You know, it was like it didn't end before sunrise, but it ended, you know, right? Not that long after that. That's what it was. I loved his part. I was like, bye. You know, later on, I was like, I really was so flattered, and you kept looking. He goes, no, no, I didn't have my glasses. I was squinting. So he wasn't looking at me. But still, you know. It It worked. It was the same. It worked, yeah. I haven't had a lot of those, but I've had a few. I had a little romance in New Zealand when you sent me there. Oh, nice. But it was like the last night I was there. It was like one of those things. And he's so far away. Like That's hard. When you say goodbye the next day, it's just nothing so heart-wrenching, I think. Oh, I remember like one of the first ones I had. I wrote about this in this travel book I wrote, uh, e-book I wrote, um, but in Hong Kong, I met this Australian flight attendant. I was really young. It was the first time I ever had that experience of no one in the world knows where I am. Yeah. And how freeing that felt. Freeing and freaky, but and a freeing, little bit both. Yeah. And I met this older flight attendant, and I was so young. Oh, my God. That's fantastic. But, yeah, it was... I remember the, I had a similar story where I was... I, it didn't involve meeting someone because I was with my partner, but... Um, my French boyfriend. So we were on a, a long board motor, motorboat. If anybody's been to Thailand, they know what I'm talking about. It's very long. It has like a stabilizer and the guy just holds like a, like a long motor thing to propeller in the water. And the waves were furious. And I had my luggage. I had my camera at the time holding it above. So the waves are coming into the boat. I thought we were going to sink. And I was like, wow, this is where it ends. And I was in, I mean, it was 1985. I was in Thailand. Um, and I thought... They won't even know. I mean, nowadays, it's so, you're so easily tracked. They can find my phone and figure out yeah. where, you know, whatever, GPS my phone. So, uh, but that was like a most nerve-wracking thing. And it was freeing and liberating. And I'm just wondering, I don't think people, it's hard. I think it would be hard to replicate that experience now. Not that I want anybody to, like, capsize in a boat. But to be truly out of, off the grid, it's really more challenging now than it, certainly than it was then. To be off the grid. Yeah. When you're traveling, how much attention do you pay to technology i have to i'm always on so like yeah. as soon as i land place i turn my phone on i'm on my email and right. it's just you know i don't i don't get to unfortunately it's the flip side of this i don't get to kind of disconnect 
What's your airplane ritual? Do you like the aisle, the window? Oh, I'm an aisle kind. Of, I used to be a window kind of guy. Now I'm an aisle kind of I'm guy. An aisle kind of guy. Bathroom too. access. Yes. And I don't, you know, I, I don't mind getting up for people. It's fine, but I don't like to make anybody. I don't like to me. be the person that says. Yeah. Try to upgrade to get to the front of the plane. That's the key. But if you can't, I, you know, one thing I think is an easy tip is. You know, um, in your backpack, whatever you bring on your personal item, uh, I always have like a first class amenity bag that I've had from, you know, from a different flight or recent flight with the toothbrush and a, you know, what's really nice is the uh, eye mask. patch, eye mask and lip balm and the spray. Like, and, and certainly for sure, like a, a, a disinfection spray or a disinfectant wipe. Yeah. It, you feel you're just a little bit more comfortable when you do something like that. My, my so you bring a first class Thank a bag. Yeah. yeah. I, I and, call it bring your own first class. Yeah. yeah. That's kind of cool. BYOFC. And What's the nicest airline? Yeah. Uh, oh, my God. I, usually those Asian, like the Asian or Gulf ones, like Qatar and yeah. Emirates are just like fabulous. I went on uh, EVA, EVA Airlines, which is Taiwanese. Right. And I was nervous because it was an uh, economy class. It was a 15.5 hour flight, 15 right. hour flight. And it was fabulous. They had, a, I call them like a flock of flight attendants. They just like, uh, they surged <laughs> through yeah. the whole airport through the whole airplane so they saw you just like struggling with your life they just kind of so it was almost like first class service for economy class lots of space and it reclined to a nice degree so those airlines they know that it's miserable in coach and so they try to make even the coach experience nice that's nice yeah so usually usually it's unfortunate that our American airlines aren't as great although some of them are catching up yeah yeah have you ever had a fling with a flight attendant yeah, it's it's funny. I was thinking because you had your story. I had one on uh, U.S. Airlines, and we're still friends. We're friends on Facebook, Chris, and uh, we met. I had really long hair at the time, and he he said something about my hair, and we flirted, and we ended up dating for a short amount of time, and then but we've been friends ever since. So. You had long hair, very long hair. I can show when you a was this? I uh, love that. When I was in business school years ago, I just grew it all the way down, and it was like shockingly. Everyone said, "Oh, you dyed your hair." It was blonde and red, and it was my sister helped me. With, she was like, "Don't wash it." She goes, rinse it, but don't wash it. Only wash it once a week and let it be natural. Like, she gave me good You're guidance. for that Aniston Beachy thing. <laughs> it was a pretty I awesome. It, it was I, awesome I, hair. I, was, I saw a guy last night at a party with long hair, and I'm, I always wanted it. So I, think I love it. Younger I think younger guys, yeah, can get away yeah, with it. It's the best. Um, let me see what else I have here. When you go to a hotel, do you have a little ritual? Do you do your thing? And da, 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 da? You know, I'm really easy breezy, and you'd be shocked at, like, the kind of, like, the amazing hotels that I'm offered, you know, usually I'm by myself. So it's like, right. I get like pedal strewn king size bed, three rooms and a jacuzzi and I'm by myself. It's like, like right. what's the point? I just go in, I sit at my computer and I work. Right. So it's really just about lights and light switches and outlets for me. How can I, can I easily charge my phone without yeah. going under a desk? Right. Can I figure out the lights in two seconds? Like, I don't get why hotels still make you turn lamps on. One switch, one, like, you know what I mean? Just make it easier for us. Like, it yeah. just drives me crazy. The one trend that I find kind of weird is those showers that don't have doors where you're just sort of showering Splash in the water. everywhere. everywhere. Yeah, it's like, and you're kind of, and you're like thinking, well, I must be doing something right. wrong because there's water everywhere. What am I doing wrong? No, it's just cheek and, and That's minimalist. And, exactly. You know, and, and I also really like hotels to have, please just have shelves in the bathroom. Let me just, I don't want to have to like, Hold on to stuff or put put it precariously yeah. on the sink. And, and the worst is those stupid uh, bowl things. Bowl things. You can't shave. It's impossible. You to can't shave. shave in a bowl. It's thing. hard to shave in a bowl. Yeah, thing. yeah I'm an electric, so I don't I don't um, know about that. So you picked some questions from the observation. I did. Let's go. What's the coolest thing you ever got for free? Oh, I would have to say, you know, 
freaking safari. That's amazing. <laughs> Those are $10,000 things. I got also got a free, entirely free trip to Australia that at the time was, I would say, probably worth $20,000. Amazing. Yeah. And it was free, but it was my job. So it was a benefit. And we weren't making a lot of money. And I wrote about it. But it was, I mean. Have you ever been, in all of my trips, I've never had something where I felt oh, if I'm honest about this, it, I, I'm going to panic. I've always had great experiences, yeah. but I also think I'm pretty easygoing, too. We're, we're both similar in that sense, but we, we say to anyone who offers us anything, we don't guarantee coverage, we don't guarantee favorable coverage. All that said, of course we're going to cover it. Why else are we taking it? Yeah. And it's rare that you, they set you up with something dumb. Like, sometimes they'll say, oh, this member hotel wants you to stay here, and they're at the airport, and how the hell do you write about them? But yeah. it's our job to say we're probably not going to write about them so beware like right. this because we know this is going to cause some problems yeah and so we have a discussion and usually they they understand they get it yeah um when you go on safari is it just animals all over the place or is it like okay we have to wait for the animals to show up um they're very sophisticated it, well, I, I have experience in several countries so it's south africa zambia Z- um, zimbabwe botswana and then in australia when i won and then I've done like uh, United States. So usually they'll um, they're very organized about this. They know where the animals are. They have scouts and guides who are communicating with each other all the time, and it's awesome. Like I remember uh, a couple times this happened where the guy, the, our guide, our ranger, and this guy we had was like out of Central Hollywood, Hollywood Central Casting, handsome white Zimbabwean, Zambian, just an awesome guy. He's like, "What would you like to see today?" And I was like, "I would love to see a zebra." And then a couple calls later, we're on our way to see the zebras. He's just like they know where they zebra. are. Yeah, yeah. kind of ordered. He kind of like uh, Ubered yeah. a zebra. And there's two, like, just really breaking it down. I mean, you can either go to, like, Tanzania, Kenya, and see the Great Migration with thousands of animals, thousands and thousands and thousands. That's like, whoa. Or do maybe more, like, herd of 40 elephants, 13 giraffes, like, smaller, intimate ones in southern Africa. It's There's a difference between wow. the sort of migration animal experience and that sort of... Um, animals within the huge Kruger Park area who are just going around in family groups. Love it. Yeah. All right. What's your favorite waste of time? Oh my God. Uh, my, my thing, all the traveling and writing and everything I do, I just love to like bike down to this coffee shop called City Bakery, have a coffee and read the New York Times. That's, I that's love my it. waste of time. I think you turned me on to City Bakery. Yeah. So you, and they have like really good coffee and like croissants. Yes. I, I don't. I'm I not making this I up. I think we've hung out there. I'm lazy when it when it's um, away everything else. What's the voicemail that was left for you that you played more than once? Oh, uh, this is a kind of a kooky story, but um, I actually left a voicemail for Jeff. So this is a kind of long involved, quick little story. We're in the Jeff Q- is your co-writer Jeff, on the mo- Jeff book. Jeff we're friend. in the QM2 going from uh, New York to London, and there was this flirtation happened and. Um, this wife was, uh, could have been upset because it was a flirtation happened between Jeff and this guy. Um, so I left a voicemail and the voice of this woman saying, I found out what, that you were flirting. I'm really upset. I'm going to come get you. And Jeff was turning white when he listened to this voicemail. And you did it. You did a voice. I did a voicemail from my phone to his phone. So he had no idea that I did you it. D- you disguised your voice yeah. as a woman. That's amazing. <laughs> and Ed. He freaked out. And, and I, he didn't believe I let it go on for 24 hours. <laughs> <laughs> We you didn't mind. know it was you? What no. did you say? I was like, and I said, I, I, said I said, Jeff, I saw this woman. I said, I saw so-and-so, and she seemed a little upset. So I kind of like turned you know, yeah. the, the knife a little bit, and he's like, oh, what did she say? When did you see her? Oh, my God, I want I need to avoid her. It was yeah. brilliant. Uh, did he have, did he ever actually have anything with the guy? Or no, it no, it was just the flotation. Oh, I I it was delicious. And uh, do you collect anything? Um, 
you know, I collect when I travel. I don't like to lug around big things. I'm a very streamlined packer. I don't like. I'm not going to buy like a big blanket or anything like that. And most stuff, t-shirts, all this. It just you have to throw it out eventually. Anyway. Yeah. I just buy art from every place I've ever been. I try to buy. I try to support local artists, and I try to buy locally created stuff. Then I hang it on my wall. I have a whole gallery of collect stuff I've collected. Nice. I love it. I have these shelves now in my place that are like hexagon shelves, and. They hold knickknacks well, yeah. so I always buy one little tiny thing. Yeah, easy, inexpensive, and yeah. it, when you, you look at it, it triggers. Yeah. Yes. What was your most memorable birthday? Um, you know, it's funny. We you have so many. I want to get older, but it's if you can tie the birthdays to a trip. So uh, or trip. So when I turned the big five zero, I had I called it a birthday in four parts. I had a birthday experience in every city that I lived in. Paris. L.A. I think you came to my L.A. one. Yeah. Um, New York and Boston. So I had my friends from these locations all came and celebrated my birthday together. Over the period of over what? the per- period of two months. That's amazing. Yeah, it was expensive. I don't know. <laughs> what does your family think of what you do? Um, it's funny. It's a good question because you know I've been doing this since 1998, and I, I was out, but they weren't really super. My parents especially weren't super comfortable with me being out. So it's it's funny because I'm I'm. Uh, the pinnacle of my career and I'm widely known for what I do but they didn't appreciate or share that so that was always you're sort of the foremost authority I think on GLBT in a way right and so it was always kind of weird but I think my parents are savvy to that now finally after all these years and um, having the book published i think they're they're very expressing their pride i think 15 17 years ago they would have been just like hiding it hiding the fact so. now when i first met you you were working for out and about which was a travel thing then you worked for out traveler and get a com as magazines went away and yeah. stuff like that did you were you were you scrambling like the rest of us trying to figure out i think where to yeah be and how to make a living i saw it coming and i you know i i was an early adopter of social media and i knew right. that was going to be like a future 2007 2008 and I remember because I got this, I, I grabbed our traveler and I grabbed my name and I grabbed a few other things. And um, I remember my boss at the time, she was so dumb. What do you mean gra- I grabbed grab our traveler the, the name. at our traveler and oh, like, as, those as kinds for of Twitter. things for Twitter. And, and she's like, oh, what is this? Do birds chirp? You know, and I, she, she had no idea what Twitter was. And I was like, I just said, trust me. Yeah. So yeah. And it's been scary. And the one thing they see is I was the, I am say one of the foremost experts, but there's so many people who are doing uh, similar things in so many spaces. I'm still consi- people still know who I am, but at the time it was really just me and a few other small handful. Now it's great. It's a democrat- democratization. Yeah. But at the same time, it's quality of content. So I'm a big believer. People will pay, or the people will appreciate quality content that's been vetted. It's right. not just I had dinner at this place or this place sucks. Uh, you know, we're really very. There's a cur- they like the curation, curation, and people will pay for it. They and like they do because yeah, yeah. the Man About World. There's a subscription, correct? Thing, but it's it's a glorious magazine that for your device and I yeah. get an iPad and I love when I turn the page and something's moving. Yeah, it's very it's, Harry Potter. It's yeah, <laughs> but it's really cool. Yeah, it's cool. And it's Thank and you. it's working out. It's, oh, it's great. It's yeah. Great. We're we have a installed installed base of maybe 30, 31, 32,000 people. And we also do actually we branch into consulting services too. So we we keep quite busy. You keep you've got yeah. it going on. Yeah. That's awesome. Because so many things that used to be jobs aren't jobs anymore. Right. You know? Right. So I'm I'm glad that Editor, editors in chief, you yeah. know, there aren't that many of them anymore. Yeah. Who's the main, most famous person you've ever been in an elevator with? Uh, I love this one. It's uh, Amelie Moresmo, who is a famous gay tennis player. She was one of the first out tennis players. She was French, and I was in France. And I was like, she probably... I was like, this American was like, oh my God, Amelie Moresmo. I said, I, I said in French, I was like, oh, I really... 
admire and appreciate what you do for right. our community. It's really impressive. And it was kind of, I mean, she's not the most famous person. Obviously, everyone's right. scratching their head right now. But at the time, she was huge because she was the first, you know, Billie Jean King. I mean, but she was the first, like, major gay person, a lesbian person since, like, Billie Jean King to come out as an openly, prof- open as a tennis player, professional tennis player. Was, uh, was she nice when you... Oh, yeah. She was kind of surprised. Oh, merci beaucoup. She was very sweet, yeah. actually. Yeah. I love that. She's beautiful, too. That's so cool. Um, you, I remember one of the tips that you have in your book about to marketers or whatever, like if you're marketing to lesbians, make sure you use real lesbians. Yeah. She'd be a good one to use at the time. No one yeah. knows who she is anymore, but. But have people, marketers goofed in that way? Have they yeah. screwed up in certain ways? Well, yeah. You so many ways, you know, they'll market, they'll say, uh, we offer, uh, you know, weddings for everyone, all welcome, including gay and lesbian people. And then you go to their, maybe they have one little page that's like gay. Then you click one page deep and then you're seeing heterosexual couples again. So that's very classic. Right. Or you'll see the, uh, you know, the, art that they use two women together and they're just stock of two women shopping together and they have long fingernails and purses and they're you know they look like heterosexual women they look know? like a picture that you would buy in a frame at a Co- store that's already in correct this. yeah so that's a mistake yeah that's that's, a, that's not so good <laughs> but you also know you also point out that gay men and lesbians they, they're different things that they gravitate to and they travel and some are right. part of stereotypes but they're sort of True. Like, gay men like urban areas more. Yeah, gay gay men like urban areas. Uh, You know, gay men want to get laid. And I always joke to my... I even say this to clients. I said, you know, gay honeymoons are some of the only honeymoons that routinely involve more than two people. Right. Right? So, you know what I mean? Like, a straight honeymoon is all so romantic and petals and roses. Gay honeymoon, it's like, they've been together 20 years. Like, it's like, no. Yeah, Honey, I'm going to go find us a third. So, you know, not that that, that that would enter into your marketing, but you have to understand your user right. customer for women. And we did a lot of research on this. Lesbians tend to travel like women first. They're concerned about safety, but when they're thinking about destinations, they're not thinking about bars or meeting people. They're thinking about celebrating an existing, uh, relationship, um, marking a new one, maybe getting over one. So there, it tends to be about a relationship. Um, and you know, Vermont recognized certain things and they do a lot of marketing to out- lesbians love the outdoors they want to be pampered, but they love the outdoors. They want to have a romantic time. They want to be safe. So all those things are important. Gay men obviously go to Vermont to ski and do that, but there's no gay bars there. It's, 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 there aren't that many guys to meet. So then they tend to go to a little bit more urban kind of experiences, right. you know. What um, organization or hotel or somebody, that, that, have you been really impressed with the way they've done their gay marketing? I'd say Marriott. I mean, it's incredible. When you think about, most people think Marriott. They're, and they're Mormon. Mormon right, you know? yeah, yeah. But it's a publicly traded company and of course founded by a, a Mormon family, but it's publicly traded. But they they had this campaign they launched oh, several years ago now, maybe four, called Love Travels. Hashtag right. Love Travels. And you can Google it, look it up. And they had... Gina, and that's what was one of our Puerto Rican things and that's what we used on oh, all right, our hashtags. Right. Yeah. And Gina Rosero, who's a, a famous, beautiful trans model, a uh, trans woman is just gorgeous and she's one of their spokespeople and they have this whole art thing that floated around. I mean, they, you know, they weren't marketing per se to, you know, corner the transgender market because that's a whole different story. They don't really travel as much. They have paper. Their identity may not mar- um, match their uh, identification paper. It becomes right. stressful. Travel is not joyful necessarily for certain segments where it's joyful for gay men. However, they're sending a signal to the Hawaii world that says, like, look, we're, we're really, truly, we want everyone to be hospitably welcomed here. That's important to us. That helps us grow our business. It's the right thing to do. All welcome. So that's more of a progressive sign. And guess what? It becomes a sign also to millennials yeah. and to people who are, are associated with us. Your 
you know, my parents, my sisters, my siblings, my friends, they're like, oh, they welcome They my, share our values. They share our values. If they're welcoming my gay friend, Ed, then that's a place I want to go to. I love that. I always crack up at the hotels that host, like, the big leather parties or whatever, and I just wonder what that's like internally. Because there's, you know, there's being open-minded and all of that, and then there's cleanup, and then there's crazy... You know, because, yeah. like, those things like, can be crazy. I, you know, some hotels have an, a, an extraordinary cleaning service, you know, yeah. uh, cleaning a, a fee. But, you know, this is a great example. Mid-Atlantic Leather, the Hyatt Regency uh, hosted, they, you know, they they block, they block sell it out so they can block it to only... They, yeah, it's only The Midwestern couple came, like, no, you're yeah, not, you know, yeah, you, yeah. you can't reserve this week. So the gays, uh, the gay guys, and they turn their reservation desk into a bar... They literally turn their reservation desk yeah. into a bar. And I think that they, I think the, probably at the very beginning, a lot of the employees would be like, I don't want to, now employees love that stuff. They get tipped out. They see yeah. stuff that they've never seen before. So I think they, they can, you know, request working on that or maybe not working on that, you know. My, um, I, I used to work on cruises and stuff like that. And my experience with cruises is that the cruise lines love the gay cruises. Yeah. They have more fun. Yeah. The tipping's better. Their kids. And they have, they just love it. Right. They love it. Yeah. And they used to, at the very, very, very beginning, they had the shittiest ships and the, the staff would be like, no, not me. It's the opposite now. It's the best ships. If you want to, the, the, the very first ships at the Oasis of the Seas, the Harmony of the Seas, those big, huge, beautiful, modern ships, the first groups they go to, they go to Atlantis events and say, do you want to charter us? When do you want to charter us? So it really, times have changed in an extraordinary way over the past 30 years. Are you much of a cruise fan? Because yeah, I know I, I have that in my I head. I yeah. love it. I can't get enough of them. I've done straight, gay, LGBT family. I've done pretty much every cruise you can possibly. I haven't obviously done a lesbian cruise, but I um, love it, love it, love it. I, I, you know, I love that you unpack once I the destinations come to you. you. Yeah. I know. We have fun. Guaranteed. I know. We do. We've only made that one trip together. We, have, we, we should do time. it. Um, if you could be the opposite sex for a day, what would you want to experience? <laughs> uh, getting laid. But also, um, having a baby. Well, like, yeah. I know it's only one day, but I think, oh my God, like throwing a life inside of you, I think yeah. it's like the coolest thing. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. You're, that's cool. <laughs> All right. Where's the coolest place you've gotten to go for work? Oh my God. Uh, yeah. That, I, that, you know, that just, is just craziness. Like, um, I mean, uh, Buenos Aires was, you know, a big thrill. Alaska was a big thrill. I think probably, like, when I flew into Botswana and we just, like, arrived, it was, like, this old C3 chart lands, and then we get out, and it's, like, you can't hear anything. There's no urban sounds. It's, like, vast field in this one little runway. And at the very, very end, there's a little desk and this little, like, African guy, Botswana guy, sitting there with this bow tie and, and just, like, waiting for us to come so we can stamp our passports. And I just, like... This is my job. Like, this was just so the coolest thing. It was just so weird. And he was so serious about his stamping of that passport. Yeah, like, and his little time. So little, cool. his day. In and that's middle what he of nowhere, does. yeah. I, I noticed when I was traveling during the Bush administration that I, I remember seeing graffiti in uh, Brazil. Like, that was anti-Bush. Anti-US, yeah. Um, and now, I haven't traveled much in the Trump era, yeah. even during the campaign. I, 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 I made a few trips. But what is it crazy? Do people want to talk about it? Yeah, I think it's a Do you feel it? All the big topic, yeah. I mean, this will be my first trip. I went to St. Lucia a couple weeks ago, and it was just, no one talked about it, because I think everyone's just trying to be like, you know, it's like, relax, you're on vacation. But when I'm in Germany for two weeks, and then France uh, for next month, um, I'm sure it'll come up, because the, the Germans and the French really want to talk about it. So I'm, I'm prepared with my... Right. My, but uh, you do feel it. You, you feel, feel it. 100%. And, and, and what was it like during the Obama years? Uh, oh, glorious. People just loved him. And they, yeah. you know, it was like, we kind of finally leapt ahead of them in progress. Right. So now we're going to kind of probably go back a little teeny bit. I, a lot of it, it's very nuanced what you get. People, they know that Ameri- they know that he lost the uh, popular vote. Like, yeah. people... The, the, the nuance that they understand about us is crazy because 
most of us can't even most can't, Americans we can't even name identify. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a country. I thought Africa was one country. Yeah. So so there's a lot of nuance, which is good. And I think they feel like, wow, what's wrong? You know, America is our beacon. We really need America to be solid, stable, well-run. We, everyone, France, Germany, they all admit it. They need a stable America. Yeah, it's scary. It is scary. Who's your most surprising fan? Oh, I, this is small, and uh, I mean, no offense to her, I mean, it just uh, it reflects on me not having that many big fans, but um, I said it's in Lowe, and I know you know the Lowe yeah, life, yeah, right? Yeah. She's fabulous. Yeah, and, she's a mono- monologuist, uh, former. I've always loved like her, and I said, oh my God, I'm such a huge, when I met her at a party, I was like, I'm such a huge fan, and she goes, no, I'm a big fan. She, she was like, I think some really um, awesome celebrities do that. They just quickly dismiss yeah. the adulation yeah. for themselves and heap it back on you. So maybe it was just a perfunctory. But I felt like, oh, kind of honored that she was, she'd read my stuff. That's awesome. <laughs> She's cool. She's cool. What's your favorite perk of your job? It's meeting people. You know, and I get to, as a part of my job, I'm to understand and try to learn as much as I can about. So I always, when I travel, people say, what do you want to do? Hotels? I'm like, oh, that's great. But I really want to meet your most senior, interesting, local gay people. Like, could be a drag queen, it could be the mayor, it could be passionate people who love their destination, know it really well, who are in the LGBT community. Because I learned, I can learn so much in a brief convers- couple of brief conversations or over dinner at wine in Vino Veritas about a destination through these people. And I feel like that's like such a, a glorious perk of my life that as part of my job, I need to connect with these people and I love it. it. It nurtures me and it helps me grow, you know, as a person and, and it's probably the most spiritual you'll ever hear me getting, but it really is what I, what I, how I th- thrive in my job. I love that. Now let's get in the plugs for the, the things <laughs> that we, and before we wrap it up, sure. uh, the travel show is this weekend, yes. this coming weekend in LA, yes. Saturday and Sunday. Yes. The downtown LA convention. And you can use the discount code. Man VIP. Man VIP. And your panel is Sunday. Sunday at 2.45 and it's me and four awesome people. And if you're in the travel business or want to learn more about how to market to the GLBT community, there's a great book. Is yeah. it out now? Is it yeah. available? Well, uh, you can pre-order now on uh, Harrington Park Press, Columbia University Press, or Amazon. Um, and it'll, I think it comes out March 7th. And it's called The Handbook? The Handbook of LGBT Tourism and Hospitality Marketing. Right. Um, uh, just as a closing note, I've realized over the years, sometimes I'll have an opportunity to take a trip and can I afford it? I don't yeah, know. Right. I got a lot going on. Should I do it? I never regret traveling right. ever. Right. I never go, Oh, I shouldn't have gone there. Yeah. I do wish you, I, I wish I'd stayed in my office. I'd written a memo. Right. <laughs> no one, no one says that in their deathbed. Even on the trips that are like, right. I know they're always, it is one of the most life affirming things that has stayed consistent in my life. Yeah. Like it's never, I agree. Not awesome. And I think that we're travelers and we're people who, it's baked into our DNA and we go out, we're not afraid of it. But I, I would just encourage anybody who's kind of like, it's hard to get off your couch and get out into the world. It is really hard, but it is, as Dennis just said, it will be rewarding. Even my friend Evan, whose place was staying and he had a calamitous time traveling. He, uh, the airline lost his luggage. He didn't get it for three days. He was wearing like a tracksuit because it was an overnight flight. It was like not a pretty tracksuit, right. but it was white and the woman, the flight attendant, dropped a full cranberry-based cocktail on him, so he smelled of alcohol. He was trying to buy clothes in the store, and they, were, they thought it was homeless, and he had, like, $1,000 in cash. And it was, so it was like, just that was calamity. He wanted to turn around, and but Jeff and I ref- rescued him. You know, We're like, no, we'll take care of everything, and he had the most amazing time. So even if you think it's going to be horrible, and sometimes it can be, the illusion, I guess, is... 
keep pushing through it because it will be life affirming no matter what. It really is. Yeah. And I, you know, sitting here talking to you, I'm reminded of more and more trips that you sent me on. Like, <laughs> I, I forgot about that one. Oh, yeah, and I went there. And That's I so went funny. to Switzerland. Right. You know, like, may, you know, over a long I period you of send years. You another one now. I mean, and it's been such a gift in my life. Even through a good job or a bad job, whatever I've got going on in my life, those, those trips that are like, Oh, well, that year wasn't totally a shit show. I yeah, got to go good. to wherever. And, you know, so thank you. Thank you for doing it. You're an impressive storyteller. Yeah. And I think that's, I think by sharing the stories that we observe and generate and are part of, we're helping other people think, we're helping empower other people to think, okay, I can do this too, you know? And that's, I think that's our whole goal in life is just like, especially gay people, like, it's scary, big, scary world out there. It can be a big, scary world in your job. So just, if you break out, is it going to be scarier? You know, and I always encourage people first, especially big first trips, go to Provincetown, which is the gayest and safest place on earth. You, you may be a couple from Arkansas. You can hold your girlfriend's hand in the street and you're safe. Um, go on a gay cruise. You know, some people object. Well, it's, you see the ads and the abs and the sex. Well, yeah, maybe that exists, but you have this whole experience where you're meeting hundreds and hundreds of people like yourself from all over the, all over the world. And these people, you, I guarantee you, they're booking their cruise. Before they leave that cruise, they're booking the next year to be with those friends again. It's the most empowering thing you could possibly do. And it's also fun. Right. Yeah. You've been offering travel tips and, and, and information to people for a long time. What is the most meaningful feedback that you get? Oh, I love it. I, I'll never forget this, like, letter to the editor. You know, we get letters all the time, you know. What should I do? Where should I go? And I have I have $1,000, and this is my budget, and this is where I'm But one was, you know, it was actually Budapest. It was funny, because you made our trip to... Um, we never would have thought of going to Hungary. You made this, you know, reading your article made us... It sort of empowered us, and we were... We loved it. We had the most amazing time. It was life-changing. You know, that kind of feedback just blows me away. Well, you deserve to get all kinds of that because you, it's great what you do. Uh, thank you for being on the podcast. What's thank your Twitter you. handle so people can find oh, you? You can find me at uh, Ed Salvato, E-D-S-A-L-V-A-T-O. And you should all subscribe to Man About World Please, magazine. Yes. It's an awesome yeah. online magazine. Tweet, it's way of the future. Tweet me and I'll send you a free subscription. Oh, tweet him and yeah. you'll get a free subscription. Absolutely. There's something tech. I, mean, I know it's possible. Technically, I, I just it's all right. You know, easy enough to do it. By DM. Yeah, I am yeah. exactly. All right. Thank you so much. Thank Ed, you. for everything. That was and a uh, I loved it. All right. Bye. Bye. Thanks again to Ed Salvato for doing the podcast and also for sending me to so many amazing places and giving me so many adventures for the last twelve years. I think my first time writing something for him was a piece I did on uh, Phuket, Thailand in 2005 and it was a few months after the tsunami hit and um another travel writer friend of mine Haas Moreau who sadly is no longer with us um was able to get me on that trip and then I was able to write about it for Ed and I got to go to Thailand and it was incredible all right so this happened um last week Jack Kenny who's a TV writer and a friend of the podcast and a, one of my earliest guests actually they did a special event at the writers guild where Writers like Jack, who have pilots that never got made, uh, they get to have a reading with real, you know, terrific actors. And last week they did two of Jack's pilots. Um, one was called Say When, about uh, a doctor who does assisted suicides. And um, it was like, I want to watch this show every week. It was really compelling and good. And, and the other one was called Chelsea Hotel, and it was set in the Chelsea Hotel. And anyway, they were both great. And uh, Eric McCormack from Will and Grace was one of the actors in the reading, and I 
knew him a little bit because I interviewed him in the past. And afterwards, I said hello to him. And uh, he was very nice. And I talked to him about Will and Grace coming back. And he was excited about it. And he shared this funny anecdote. And I don't think he would mind if I shared it. Um, So he said that when the show very first started, before, I don't even know if it had gone on the air yet, he uh, and, and Deborah Messing did an interview with Donnie and Marie Osmond for their talk show on the set of Will and Grace. And Donnie Osmond had these blue cards where he was, you know, remembering his questions and stuff like that. And then right before the interview started, he put them in this box that was part of the set decoration. Um, Donnie Osmond's questions go in this box. It's like a prop. And at the end of Will and Grace's run after, I don't know, eight or nine years, how long did it run? Um, Eric looked in the box and sure enough, those blue questions were still there all those years later. And then the set was all preserved, I guess, by the executive producer, Max Muchnik, was able to get his alma mater to store it and display it or whatever. Anyway, the set came back to L.A., and that's when they did that PSA about voting. And Eric was on the set of that, and he said to somebody that was standing there, he goes, I'll bet you $200 that there are blue cards in that box from Donny Osmond's interview all those years ago. And sure enough, there they were. Isn't that kind of funny? Just Osmond cards, part of the Will and Grace history, the set, they're all along and uh, still going strong. All right, that's all I have for this week. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time on Dennis Anyone. Bye! <laughs>